Okay, so um, I know this could tend to be a little sleepy time, so we're going to keep the lights on. And I'm also going to be um, asking for your help. I'm going to be asking questions that I actually want you to answer, All right. meaning they're not rhetorical, okay? I want you to actually engage here, us to have a little discussion. I'm going to be pulling people up um, to do uh, things like maybe Austin or, or maybe not Austin. Who knows? And um, also have your Bibles out. Have your Bibles out. We're going to be looking at, at verses that are not on the sheet. So it's good to always have a Bible on you. Um, I'm a big fan of the physical paper, the physical black and white. But you know what? Praise God. Technology can be used for His purpose also. So pull out your uh, whatever that you got the Bible on and be ready there. Okay. Um, so let's think about this question I want you to answer. Why is it important that Jesus died for our sins? Think about that. Why is it important that Jesus died for our sins? Amen. And I just let's throw out some answers. Yeah. Well, it's very important concerning us because it changes our eternal destiny. Changes our eternal destiny. Okay. Okay. What else? Why is it important that Jesus died for our sins? Redemption. Okay. Good. What else? Just, just, you can feel free to elaborate on things. Just use different words. What else? What, what thoughts do you have? Bridges the gap between God and man. Bridges the gap between God and man. Men's Very good. The separation between God and man. Men's the separation between God and man. Men's what else? Pays the price for our sins. Pays the price for our sins. Yeah. Very good. Any? What else? Well, we, died too. we did. Mm-hmm. How about from the sisters? I hadn't heard much from the sisters yet. <laughs> The brothers all got thoughts. How about our sisters? I know our sisters have thoughts too. Why is it important Jesus died for our sins? Makes room for his life. Makes room for his life, okay. He has a way to accomplish his goal. Okay, I want us to look at some verses here. And I'm just, what I'm going to be talking about today is very foundational. Very foundational, okay? And foundation things aren't, aren't bad or low. They're actually very important. They're very important because that's what everything is built on top of. So, you know, I mean, it's not ideal to buy a house with a bad foundation. You want to make sure that foundation is solid and good and right. So let's go to Hebrews 9.27. Go to Hebrews 9.27. It's important that Jesus died for our sins because it's appointed for every man to die once and then comes certain judgment. Who's got 927 wants to read it for me? Go ahead, Reese. You got it? And inasmuch as it is reserved for men to die once and after this comes judgment. Okay. Every man is going to die. And you know what happens after death? Certain judgment. All of mankind is going to appear before God. And if we don't have Christ, we will be judged a very particular way. Revelation 20, verse 12. Go there now. Revelation 20, verse 12. The first person that gets there, stand up and read it. 
Yeah, go ahead. And I saw the dead, the great and the small, standing before the throne, and scrolls were opened, and another scroll was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by the things which were written in the scrolls, according to their works. And the dead were judged according to their works. Say that, according to their works. According to their works. That's pretty frightening. So, standing before the great white throne, open up the Lamb's book of life. If you're not in that book, we're going to open this other scroll, and we're going to review the entirety of your life, and you'll be judged according to your works. That's not, that's not, that's not a criterion by which we want to be judged. Because all of mankind, including the very first of our race, has transgressed God's commandment. Say transgressed. transgressed. Let's look at Romans 5.14 on your sheet here, on your outline. The very first commandment that God spoke to man was what? Don't eat. Don't eat the what? Full-timers over here really got it. Don't eat the what? The tree of knowledge. Don't eat that. You can eat of anything in the garden. Don't eat the tree of knowledge. What happened? Adam and Eve ate the? They did. They ate the tree of knowledge. Let's read Romans 5.14 together. Ready, go. Transgression, meaning he broke, went against God's commandment. And the result of that is condemnation. Say that. Condemnation. Let's try it again. Condemnation. One more time. Condemnation. That's not really one you want to shout hallelujah at, but that's the logical result here. Let's read Romans 5.16. Ready, go. Now, condemnation here, this, this is not condemning in the sense of, oh, you're really bad, you shouldn't have done that. That, that. That's true, but this specific condemnation is in the sense of a judge meeting out a sentence on a person who's guilty of a crime. So when a person commits a crime here in the United States, eventually they stand before a judge, and that judge either clears them as innocent or guilty. And if they're guilty, he condemns them. He meets out a sentence. You'll spend this amount of time in jail or whatever. Now, the logical, well, maybe not so logical, but the usual question here when people hear something like this is, how could a loving God do such a thing? You illogical Christian. You say your God's so loving, yet he condemns people. I don't want your God. I thought he's supposed to be loving. You're such a contradiction. And actually, the real response is that if God is good, if he is loving, and if he is holy, the only thing he can do is condemn transgression. It is the only right thing to do. I'll give you an example. If something were to happen to you, to one of you, unrighteously, you know, those, things, those kind of things happen all the time. 
and the man or person, whoever that was, were to stand before the judge, and the judge would say, you know what, uh, you're right, you did do some bad stuff, you hurt um, that person, yeah. but I'm loving, and you know what, I just forgive you, go and have a great one. Now, depending on the severity of what they did, I, me personally, would be enraged. Yeah. I would say, Can, are you serious? Are you serious? You unrighteous judge. You bad, evil, unrighteous judge. You let that person go after what they did to Reese? You mete out zero judgment, claiming that you're loving? You don't deserve to be judge. Get off your throne. And you know what? This kind of thing happens all the time. People are enraged and upset about an unrighteous meeting out of judgment. Unrighteous. And brothers and sisters, the judge of all the earth shall do rightly. He shall do rightly. He is a good God. He is a righteous judge. He's a good God. And so he will always act in that way, always. You know what happens after that? This is what happened with Adam and Eve, and it's what happens with us. Man is estranged from God. Let's read Genesis 3 8. Ready, go. And then we heard the sound of Jehovah God walking about in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of Jehovah God among the trees of the Everyone say, hid themselves. You know what our natural reaction is when we do something bad, when we get a little light about who we are. Maybe I'm not so, I'm not so good as I thought I was. We hide ourselves from God. It's the natural reaction. Man hides himself. He'll do anything but stand in the presence of God. Anything. Formerly, man walked with God in the cool of the day in the garden. Sweet, precious fellowship now is hide, hide me. By default, the reaction is hide me. Get, get me away from God. Men loved the darkness rather than the light because the light exposed their works. This is why some people responded in a very negative way to Jesus and his coming. They'd do anything but no. I don't want to be around that because yeah. their works are exposed. Right. Exactly. This spoils man from fulfilling God's purpose. Spoils man from fulfilling God's purpose. You know, sometimes we get in the mode of, well, you know, I'm a pretty good guy. You'll meet people like this on the gospel. Well, I'm a pretty good person, really. I mean, I, I mean I'm glad the Jesus stuff works out for you, but I'm pretty good. But a little test, and we find out, no, actually, we, we're all guilty. So, for example, Ty, are you a good person, bro? All right. You all right? <laughs> I say the same thing. I like Ty. Y'all like Ty? Yes. I like Ty. Ty's a pretty good guy. Pretty good guy. Okay, Ty, have you ever told a lie? Yes. What does that make you? Bad guy, bad guy. Okay, usually, usually, 
usually when you ask somebody this question, I've done it a number of times, when you ask somebody this question, they would say, I'm a sinner. And then, and then you say, well, no, 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 specifically. If I were to tell you a lie, you would call me a liar. So Ty, of his own admission, good guy, we love Ty, but he's a liar. Ty, have you ever stolen anything? You already told us you're a liar now. <laughs> Don't lie. Don't lie. Maybe you stole some answers from somebody that you just kind of had that side eye. Huh? We'll take <laughs> okay, we'll take your long answer as a yes. What does that mean? You're a thief. thief. Lying thief. Ty, have you ever used the Lord's name in vain? Yes. You know what that makes you? A blasphemer. Say that. Blasphemer. Blasphemy. So Ty, who we all know and love, great guy. Would you, that's just three questions. Yeah. Three questions. Lying, thieving, blasphemer. Oof. That's not the kind of judgment we want, right? We don't have to think too long before we realize all of mankind is under God's judgment because they've transgressed God's commandment. They've transgressed God's commandment and they're spoiled from fulfilling God's purpose. Romans 2, 5 through 6 says God will render to each one according to his work. And this is how Paul describes their life. If they continue with a hard, unrepentant heart, the entirety of their life is only storing up more and more wrath for themselves at the judgment day. Think about what a terrible ending that would be. To get to the end of your life, you think you've done all these good things. I've amassed all these riches. I've done so many philanthropic good works. But actually you stand before the righteous white throne of God and all you see is a mountain of wrath that you've stored up for yourself justly and righteously and it's awarded to you. Oh my goodness. Now, as serious as this is, this is not the real significance of man's fall as heavy and real and deep as this is, this is not the real significance of man's fall. I want you to write this down. The real significance of man's fall. Man received Satan's thought, feeling, will, being, and personality in the inward parts of his soul. I'll say it again. The real significance of man's fall, man received Satan's thought, feeling, will, being, personality into the inward parts of his soul. And as sin, Satan injected himself into man's body. This is the real significance of man's fall. Yeah. I'll give you an example. Mm-hmm. Examples help us. Um, you know, we had Bible camp here last week. A bunch of beautiful, sweet kiddos just running around everywhere. Some of them crazy, some of them real quiet, you know. Kiddos just running around everywhere. Yeah. I, it's one of my favorite weeks of the whole year. What if, what if one of the brothers 
Man, we're in here cleaning up the hall. We got a big vat of cleaning chemicals over there in the corner. And we're trying to, you know, all the moms are, you know, trying to shepherd the kids away. Let's get them outside here, go do the picnic. That way the brothers can clean the hall. And they're telling them, don't go near the bucket. Go outside. Go play. Okay, we're handling some dangerous stuff over here. Go outside. Okay, you can't be in here right now. And one of them just walks right over and puts his face in the giant vat of poisonous cleansing chemicals and... <laughs> Now, what's the real problem? Is it a problem that the child disobeyed? Yes, it's a problem. But the deep, real problem is that that child has poison on the inside of their body. That's the real significance. The child took poison on the inside of him, and that mother is not lecturing him in the corner about disobeying her. She's frantically trying to take her child to the hospital to save his life. That mother goes into salvation mode. I'll do anything I can to get the poison out of my child's body. I'm, we'll, we'll deal with the obedience problem. But the real problem is that there's poison on the inside of my child. That is the real significance yeah. of man's fall. Now, I know this is, a little, this is a little sobering, okay? And you might be thinking, boy, I thought this was infusion time. I want to get infused. <laughs> boy, I had a hard week and a big breakfast. Infuse me, you know? Okay. We'll never appreciate the good news exactly. appropriately if we don't also appreciate the bad news. If we don't have a healthy appreciation for the bad news, we'll never appreciate the good news as we should. Yeah. I'll give you an example. Reese, you have a car, correct? At home? Reese, your car is doing just fine. That's good news, right? Yeah. Reese isn't doing backflips or anything. Why aren't you doing backflips? Well, what Reese doesn't know is that some high schoolers from Lake Highlands last night decided to go for a joyride in his car. And they took it on down to the Gulf of Mexico. <laughs> and they're chugging and chunking empty beer cans in the back the entire way. They got down to the coast and they set that thing on fire. <laughs> but, but, but you know what? The police, the police caught, the police caught the teenage joyriders and they hosed down his car, stopped the fire, and boy, they felt so bad about it that they actually paid to have the inside of his car completely redone and now his car is just fine. That's good news. That's good news. Reese, your car is just fine. All right. All right. You see, it, it means something more to him. It means more. Because he has an appreciation for the bad news. So it's healthy and it's good for us. It's good for us to be in matters like this. Gives us an appreciation for how awesome God's salvation is. Amen. Amen. Okay, let's, um, let's read. Um, so the first, the first Roman numeral, I know we didn't read it, but it was not only. The second Roman numeral is but also. Say that. 
Okay, let's read point A together. Ready, go. And let's read uh, the verses from Genesis together. Ready, go. Now the serpent was more crafty than every other animal of the field, which God had made. And he said to the woman, Did God really say, You shall not eat of any tree of the garden? And the serpent said to the woman, You shall not surely die, for God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will become like God. Say, did God really say? Did God really say? Circle that on your paper. If you have a pen, use your pen. If you don't have a pen, frantically try to find one. Circle that on your paper. Did God really say? This is the question. This is often how Satan comes to us to inject a thought so subtly. Well, did God really mean that? I mean, come on. I mean, our culture has progressed quite a bit now. Did God really say that or mean that? Mm. Really? Mm. Think about it. The injection of the question begins a cycle of things that happen. It begins a chain reaction. Mm. Okay? And then also underline, you shall not surely die. You. Let's all say that. <laughs> that is a lie. That's a lie. So first, he came in subtly, asked the question, did God really say that? And then he comes out with the, the bold-faced lie, you shall not surely die. And then, boy, he comes in with a little desirous um, enticement here at the end. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you'll become like God, knowing good and evil. So Satan injects two basic thoughts. Number one, God is a liar. God's lying to you. You know what? He, he just wants you to keep from having fun is all it is. He wants you to keep from living a full, joyous, happy life. God's lying to you. And then, number two, he injects this thought. God doesn't have your best at heart. He really doesn't. He's holding back from you. Boy, if you, if you would just do this, you'd have so much joy and pleasure, just like your friends. So he injects those two thoughts. And you know what that is? That's the kind of mindset an enemy has. Colossians 1.21 says that we were actually made enemies of God in our mind. That thought got in with Adam and Eve, and you know what? It worked and worked and worked until eventually, by default, we think as enemies right. of God. We think as an enemy would. You know what? My enemy is a lying, conniving person. Mm -hmm. Conniving, conniving. Mm -hmm. A lying, conniving person. Right. And you know what? He doesn't have my best interest at heart, so I'm always suspicious of him. Always. Mm -hmm. That's how an enemy thinks. So what happens is Satan injects the thought. That thought eventually affects your feeling. Well, you know what? Maybe he doesn't have my best intentions at heart. Then it affects our will. You know what? I choose to do this instead. That's how Satan worked in the garden, and it's how he still works today. There may be a certain um, sin or thing that you feel like God says, no, no, no. 
And then the thought comes, well, did God really say that? Maybe he's just trying to deprive me. Then the thought comes, you know, that would be really nice, actually. Actually, oof, my feeling, why? Yeah, I do want that. Same, same pattern today. Same pattern today. Satan came in, he affected our mind, our emotion, and our will. So now we naturally think, feel, and choose as if we're enemies of God. My goodness. Okay, let's read uh, point B together. Ready, go. How y'all doing? You doing okay? Let's all say praise the Lord. Let's all say, thank you, Lord, for the word. Thank you, Lord, for the word. Are you hanging in there with me? Yeah. You with me? Okay. All right. Taking the tree of knowledge into the members of man's body. Let's read point one. Ready, go. Man's body being transmuted into flesh. And let's read Romans 7, 18. Ready, go. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me, but to work out the good is so we've covered Satan affecting and injecting um, things and affecting our mind, our emotion, and our will. And now he also got into man's physical body through man taking the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And notice here that in Romans 7, 18, Paul in his writing, he doesn't say, for I know that in me that is in my body. He doesn't say that. Circle flesh. He says, for I know that, is, that in me, that is in my flesh. Now, flesh is a very negative word in the Bible, very negative. You'll see um, other phrases like the lusts of the flesh, right. very negative. So what happened when man took in the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, man's body, which was a vessel made by God, everything that God creates is good. But that good creation that God made was transmuted. Man's body became the flesh. And Paul says, I know in me, in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me, but to work out the good is not. Who in here wants to do good? Raise your hand. Nearly everyone. We're going to keep working on the other few of you. Who in here wants to do good? I do. Okay, who in here wants to read the Bible every single day for the rest of their life? Amen. We're going to keep working on a few of you, but you know. Okay, in last year, in 2015, who read the Bible every single day? Why not? Didn't you want to do that? I thought you wanted to do that. Why didn't you do it? Very interesting. To will is present with me, but to work out the good is not. Okay, who in here likes to be envious and jealous of their friends? Who likes that? Ugh, ugh. They're making more money than me. Ugh. Boy, their parents paid for them to go on that big trip. Just wrote the check. Ugh, ugh. I wish I could go. Ugh. Who likes that? Nobody. Nobody. But who experiences that? Envious. envious jealous. Oh, I just, uh, I don't know what they got, man. They got, man, I wish I could have that. Why ain't I there? I want to be there in life. I haven't quite got there yet. I hate dealing with that. I don't, I don't 
feel like I used to deal with that as much, but I probably did. I know I deal with it now. I need some help. To will is present with me, but to do the good is not. What I want to do, I can't do. Okay, let's read point two. Ready, go. Satan's becoming sin within man. Let's read the verse. Ready, go. But I am fleshy, sold under sin. Now then, it is no longer I that work it out, but sin that dwells in me. But if what I do not will, this I do. It is no longer I that work it out, but sin that dwells in me. You know, this was actually very relieving for me whenever the brothers shared this with me, because it's like, oh, I've got something, I've got some like creature that lives in my flesh that makes me do things I don't want to do. Did you get that? When you read that verse, did you pick that up? Sin dwells in me. You know, um, we just got a new chair at our apartment, and that chair does not dwell in my apartment. You know why? Because it's, it's not alive. It's not alive. Only living things dwell. My chair is there in the apartment, but it don't dwell there. I do. I dwell there. Probably spend too much time there, but you know what I'm saying. I dwell there. And this verse says that sin dwells in our flesh. There's a living thing that dwells in our flesh. It's Satan. It's the very nature of Satan that dwells in our flesh and does what? What I do not will, this I do. It makes us do things we don't want to do. How about that? Isn't that frightening? I, th I was thinking about this this morning. That's like a horror movie. I've got something that lives in my body and makes me do things I don't want to do. That's the daily experience of a Christian. Really? And this sold under sin, circle that. That sold under sin is, is literally enslaved mm. to sin. Mm. All the atrocious, abominable images that come up when in American minds, when we think of slavery, we're enslaved to sin. You know what? Satan is a hard taskmaster. And he forces, he forces men to do things that they do not want to do. Satan's a bad master. A bad master. Jesus is a good master. Amen. Let's all say, Master Lord Jesus. Master Lord Jesus. But by default, you've got a hard-driving, evil taskmaster dwelling in your flesh. Isn't that crazy? Isn't that crazy? If you told somebody this on the street, they'd almost think like, man, we need to get you some help, man. I, I think you've got something going on there. This, this is what the Bible reveals to us. And if we check our experience, we realize that's true. Let's all say that. That's true. There's a hard-driving, evil taskmaster that dwells in your flesh. Makes you do things you don't want to do. All right, let's read number three. Ready, go. Sin acting as evil in man. Let's read the verse. Ready, go. I find then the law that when I desire to do what is right, with me the evil is present. What a trick. What a trick. In the garden... Satan is there. If you'll eat of this tree, you'll know good and evil. You'll be able to discern between good and evil just like God. That's what God doesn't want. That's why he's keeping it back from you. And so Adam and Eve say, whoa, I want to know. Well, it's pleasant. It's desirable to the eyes. It's good for food. I eat it. And then guess what? 
the good that man wants to do, he cannot do, even if he wanted to. Every time I've got some good that I want to do, the, the evil is present with me. This is Young's literal translation. The evil is present with me. What a trick. Isn't that evil? That's bad. Okay, flip your page over. C, deadening man's spirit. Say that. Deadening man's spirit. Let's read Ephesians 2, 1 and 5. Ready, go. And you, though dead in your offenses and sins, even when we were dead in offenses, made us alive together with Christ. Okay, so the Bible says we were dead before Christ made us alive, but we were physically alive. Thus, we render from that our spirit was deadened and we couldn't contact God. This is our state before Christ makes us alive. We receive the gospel, repent of our sins, and receive God's awesome salvation. We're deadened in our spirit. Okay? Uh, letting sin enter man. Read Romans 5.12. Ready, go. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered into the world, and through sin death. Okay, I have a question for you. Are you a sinner? because you sin? Or do you sin because you are a sinner? Think about that. Are you a sinner because you sin? That's logical. But, or do you sin because you're a sinner? Which one is it? What do you think? What do you think, Jazz? I think we sin because we're sinners. We sin because we're sinners. She's right. Let's all say praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Good job, Jasmine. Good job, Jasmine. Okay. <laughs> we sin because we're sinners. Our identity is sinner. Thus, we sin. We do it by default. We don't even have to try. We're sin factories. It's what we make. It automatically comes out. All right. And then letter E here. Read that. Let's read the verse. Ready, go. And thus death passed on to all men, because all have sinned. For death reigned from Adam until Moses. Okay, death even reigned. How about that? Death reigns over the earth, reigns over man. The greatest fear is the fear of death. What happens beyond that? I don't know. People are crippled under the fear of death. That's why it's so incredible when you see a precious saint of Almighty God who's dying on their deathbed and they say, I'm ready. I'm ready to go. Amen. It mesmerizes the entire world because man has been under the reign of death for so long. Okay, now this is pretty bad, huh? Pretty bad. Guilty? before almighty, righteous God, storing up wrath your entire life to be justly served to you when you stand before God at judgment day. But not only that, also being infected with Satan's being, will, personality, thought, emotion, feeling, constituting you an enemy of God by default. You didn't even try. You don't even have to try. Deadening your spirit. Isn't that bad? You've even got a, like some, you've got a living thing dwelling in your flesh making you do what you don't want to do. Right. Say that's bad. That's bad. That's bad. That's bad. Yes. So how awesome must be God's salvation? How awesome. Consider that. 
you're constituted an enemy of God by default. You think suspicious thoughts of him. You think he must be lying to me, holding back from me. How awesome then must be God's salvation to come in and reverse completely the fall. To completely reverse the fall from the inside out. You know what armies do against enemies? They invade. And you know, in some sense, God has invaded our being. He's invaded our spirit. And you know what? He's He's going, quote, behind enemy lines, and he's winning over the entirety of our mind before our thoughts, so evil against God, so many suspicious thoughts. And now God's coming in through our reading of the word, through our fellowship with the brothers, and he's setting everything right side up. Same with our emotions. You know what? I have not always loved Jesus. And I really wish I loved him more. But I'm different from when I was in high school. I'm different. There's some feeling there. Well, I like singing with the brothers. You know what? You would have never caught me over there in that corner before I received Christ. Because my feelings for God, they just weren't there. But you know what? Christ is invading our affections and our emotions, and he's changing them from the inside out. And then our will. You know what? It is not a small thing when you don't feel like coming to the meeting, and then you come anyway. You choose. You know what? I don't feel like it. I've got a bad mood on today. I got things that I got to do tonight. I'm really important and I got tons of stuff on my plate, but I'm going to the meeting anyway. You know what that is? That is God's salvation invading your will and reconstituting you once an enemy of God to one who loves him and chooses him, reflects him and expresses him in the context of a universe in constant rebellion against him. And when Jesus comes again, he'll be glorified in his saints. So when Jesus comes, this is what's going to happen. Stand up, Timothy. When Jesus comes, it's going to be like this. The whole world is going to be watching and then they're going to watch this happen with the sons of God. Shing! <laughs> and you know, what's, you know what's literally going to be coming out of Timothy's body is shining glory. And it's going to be like this. Whoa, oh! I, I, knew, I knew there was something about him. It's going to be physically present. We'll see it with our eyes. Jesus will physically manifest from within Timothy's body. He'll come to be glorified in his saints. Brothers and sisters, consider that. Thank you. Consider that. What an awesome salvation. This is a bad example, but think about this. What if the North Korean government fell? And there are soldiers from North Korea. You know, I mean, North Koreans, they're programmed. They hate Americans. Hate them. America's, you know, kind of like the great Satan. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. I mean, it just, it just is. Sorry. Sorry to say. I mean, I'm not for America. I'm for Jesus. But you know what I'm saying. <laughs> and South Korea takes over. And boy, it's, you know, in some ways it's so glorious. But how do you think, what's the feeling inside those North Korean soldiers? You think they're so happy? Maybe some of them. But there's probably a bunch of others that have been 
constituted all their lives to hate, dislike, avow, and be totally against South Korea, America, democracy. <clears throat> now let's say they've got transferred over here. How long, how long do you think it would take to undo all the thoughts in their mind and hearts about the evils of, dem of democracy, yeah. freedom, and yeah. all these things? How long? You know, probably they started eating better. Boy, hmm, this is not so bad, but I, don't, but I don't like this, and I don't like that, and I'm suspicious of everyone. Probably take decades, if it ever happened at all. Yeah. Why? Because they're constituted an enemy. In their thoughts, will, and emotions, they hate everything, everything that America, South Korea stands for. Hate it. It would take a long time. But you know what, brothers and sisters? The divine life of God can do anything. Amen. It can invade our being, and it can make us, cause us to love Jesus. It can change our thoughts, change our emotions, change our will, change what we choose to do. Isn't that incredible? Yes. So I know this doesn't have you wanting to do backflips probably, but it's good for us. Good for us to be impressed with the bad news so that we can be even more impressed with the good news. Okay, why don't we pray with our neighbor and then uh, we'll decide what to do next.